0: Welcome to the Weird World Podcast.
1: My name's I'm, Carrie. Hi, Jack. I'm Jay. I'm Jack. <laughs> and I'm Dean. You might also hear Lily in the background eating food.
0: Crunching her food loudly. They won't, they won't hear a thing. I know.
1: Never mind. Hi.
0: Hi. What what do you got to tell us about today? Guess, Something
1: weird. It's it is weird. It's it's a it's nothing supernatural though. It's it's a mystery from the two thousand teens. Maybe One of the greatest mysteries from that decade Mm. in the world is something I'm sure everyone has heard of. It is the mysterious disappearance of flight MH370, the Malaysian airline jet passenger jet that disappeared in 2014.
0: I remember that well. And has
1: to this day yet to be found, in its entirety at least, and no black box. Yeah. And we still don't know what the hell happened to it. Huh. But we'll take a take a shot at figuring out here. I was going to say,
0: you? are you going to give us your theories?
1: Uh, yes, in part two. This is going to be a two-parter. This is going to be part one. We're just going to cover... Mostly the flight and the disappearance, mm. the event. Yeah, the event itself. Okay. The next part, we'll talk about what may have happened and uh, some theories, and also some very clever detective work to figure Ooh. out what may have happened. Okay. We good. love an investigation. Yes. I remember
0: when this happened.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, me
2: too.
0: I remember, you know, when it first went missing, and uh, you know, everybody coming together to try to find it and all that jazz. But I don't know all the details.
2: I'm excited.
1: Turns out the people who should have been doing the most did the least and the worst. Oops. But who's that? Are you going to tell us? I'll tell you. Okay. So let's start with the day of flight 370 was acting strangely. Oh. It was just past about one in the morning, and the Malaysian air traffic control at Kuala, Kuala Lumpur, which is the capital of Malaysia, had just handed over supervision of Malaysian Airlines Flight 370 to the Vietnamese air officials. So they were heading toward a Vietnamese airspace to the north of Malaysia. The plane was heading pretty much north by this point and then would continue over Southeast Asia and into mainland China. It was its destination was Beijing. In fact, most of the passengers on board were Chinese nationals. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask yeah. you yeah, who was on. Yeah, the vast majority was. Most of the people were returning home.
0: Okay. Were there any Americans on board? Yes, there were. Okay.
1: There the were. flight, because that's the only that's important to you, if Americans care. Um, a yeah. A You only care if it's a over bit here. Probably. No, are you going to give us a breakdown of all the okay,
0: nationalities?
1: Yes. Okay. The flight was expected to last a little over five and a half hours. Ugh. Uneventful, done all the time. But... When this occurred, when this handover occurred, one of the, the pilots were not responding to routine Vietnamese inquiries. Just, okay, we're taking control of you. Uh, their calls on the radio went unanswered. Later, there'd even be a text message to the pilot from someone back in Malaysia wow. who had his phone number, and that, too, went unanswered. Hmm. Hmm. Then, so very quickly, air traffic realized that even routine electronic beacons and automated communications... Oh. Had been disabled or were not working. That's weird. So it could have been intentional, it could have been a malfunction. They didn't know. It could also mean the plane had gone down. So, wait, does this
0: mean pilots don't always put their own phones in airplane mode?
1: Oh, if, I, presumably. Or, well, maybe <laughs> but, that's why it went unanswered. You know, I'm going to guess they don't. I'll yeah. bet your money they don't. I know. They must yeah. not
0: if they thought, okay, we're. Yeah. We could probably text him.
1: He at least this the person the yeah. Malaysian official said, "Let me text him." Yeah. So not long after this, later on, the plane should have then crossed into actual you know mainland mainland Vietnamese over land in Vietnam, and that's you you know, you have to be in touch with them when you actually because they're in the ocean heading toward Vietnamese airspace, they'd actually be over Vietnam very soon, and yet still no sign of them. No word. They should have been over Vietnam by now. Mm -hmm. So finally someone realizes, okay, we've got a situation. Calls went up, the chain of command. Was the plane hijacked? Had something happened to the pilot? And the co-pilot had something happened to the plane and it was in the ocean. No one knew, but they did know they needed to get some answers quickly because there were 239 lives hanging in the balance. Yikes. So let's go back. Malaysia... Airlines Flight 370 had taken off from Kuala Lumpur at 1242 a.m. March 8th, 2014. Please start, start your timelines.
0: Wow, so it's a red eye.
1: It's definitely a red eye, yeah. It was gonna oh, get yeah. there like 6.30 in the morning, something like that, Yikes. or a little <laughs> It was a big old Boeing 777-200ER, which is a, a big, comfortable, very safe passenger jet. Had an all-Malaysian crew of 10 flight attendants, Two pilots, a pilot and co-pilot, and two hundred twenty-seven passengers. It's
0: a lot of flight attendants.
1: Yeah, it is. It is for that many people. Yeah, it's two hundred twenty-seven folks. There's a twenty people per attendant ish. Yeah, give or take twenty-two point seven. Actually, it's easy when it's ten. Shut the fuck up! I wasn't trying to be. And the pilots, they got to eat too. The vast majority of the passengers, as I mentioned, were Chinese nationals returning home to Beijing. There were also thirty-eight Malaysians. And then just a smattering of people from a lot of different countries, including the U.S., Iran, Ukraine, Canada, New Zealand, the Netherlands, Indonesia, Australia, critically, India, France, Russia, and Taiwan.
0: Holy cow.
1: Yeah. An international. True international international flight. flight. But again, mostly the vast majority were from China. The co-pilot had actually taken off from Kuala Lumpur Airport. He was at the controls. He was 27-year-old Farik Hamid. Malaysia, I don't know if you know or not, is a primarily Muslim, uh, Muslim country. country. So you're going to hear names that are Arabic names. He was a trainee, but just barely. This is actually going to be his last flight. Oof! As a trainee, he'd be a full-fledged pilot on his own r- after this flight. His next flight, he'd be all by himself. But and and you know, he had this, this job with a very prestigious national airline. It was yeah. a, he had this really bright future ahead of him. He was young. He's very young. Yeah. Hamid was being supervised, and also in the cockpit with him was a 53-year-old ve- long veteran pilot named Zahari Ahmad Shah. We'll call him Zahari because he called himself Zahari. Another thing is that Malaysia, Indonesia has this too, they very often go by one name, and often that name is their first name. And so he, he would literally just was just called Zahari, even in a f- formal sense, hmm. right? So it's,
0: everybody's like Cher.
1: Kind of like that, yes. And Sting. It's the Cher and Sting in the world. yeah. <laughs> He was one of the most experienced flight captains in Malaysian Airlines. He had been flying for the airlines since 1981. Jeez. He was married. He had three grown children, and he had two homes. He was, he was you know, living the life. I, uh, being a pilot, that's been much less so you know, now it's not quite as glamorous it used, as it used to be and as prestigious as it used to be because now they're often underpaid and overworked and overstressed. But st- at this point, working, being a pilot for a Malaysian airline, the national airline, was a pretty big deal. He was yeah. he had, it was a prestigious job and it, he, he, he was important. Zahari's primary residence was in an upscale Kuala Lumpur community where he kept a Microsoft flight simulator that he frequently would pa- practice on. He was a very devoted pilot. He loved to fly. He was a very active air enthusiast. He'd even go on like chat boards and stuff like that and talk about Hmm. piloting and flying all the time.
2: He said, let's talk about that aerodynamics, you guys.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So as Hamid flew, I I don't know if he's called Farik or Hamid to be honest, but I'm gonna call him um, Hamid because I don't know. But Zahari was communicating with air traffic control personnel. So at 101, in the morning, now, he radioed the tower to say they had reached their 35,000-foot cruising altitude and they are going to level off. That seems normal, doesn't it? Okay, yeah. we reached our altitude, we're leveling off. Actually, it's a little odd. It's customary to radio when you are leaving your assigned altitude, not when you're getting to or arriving at your assigned altitude. You just, typically, you don't do that. The air traffic control tower had him on their radar. He was pinging. They knew exactly where the plane was and that it, was, it reached his altitude. It was a superfluous communication. Like, it seemed weird a little bit. Well, is that okay.
2: significant,
0: do you think?
1: It may or may not Maybe be. it is. Maybe it isn't. Huh. We'll have to talk about that. Keep, that. keep that in mind, though. Put a pin okay. in it. Put a pin. Seven minutes later at one o eight in the morning, Zahari again radioed Kuala Lumpur, and he told them that, okay, we're now crossing over the Malaysian coast. And we're now over the South China Sea, heading up north toward Vietnam.
0: Did he do the, we made it to our 30,000?
1: Yes, he
2: Okay,
0: did.
1: Yeah, I thought that was the... All the communication was from him. Oh, okay. you think
2: he'd know Okay. Mm-hmm. with all of
1: his experience. Yes, very experienced pilot, made that, that communication that seemed a hmm. little odd. At the time, it didn't seem odd, but in hindsight, hmm. it did. So some geography here is in order, because you know I, I know you guys all love you geography. I love your geography. Geo. The flight path of MH370 took them kind of southwest to northeast over the malaysian peninsula so kuala Lumpur is on the west coast of malaysia so and they're hitting heading north and northeast so they flew over the entire peninsula it's not super wide it took them only 20 minutes or something like that maybe not that so they fly over the peninsula and then that takes them they'd be just east of the indonesian island of sumatra indonesia is east of malaysia Malaysia is the peninsula that down there kind of by thailand you got it and mm-hmm. then below that into the east is, is the indonesian archipelago okay. you know all those islands so that's where they are they're now crossing over at 108 i think it's 108 right they're crossing over the and they're, they're leaving the coast of malaysia and they're heading toward vietnam mm-hmm. into the sea mm-hmm. yeah the plane, so again, 108, the plane levels off at 35,000 feet over the South China Sea. An automated transmission around this time indicated the position of the plane. So again, they knew it, but it also indicated how much fuel they had left. They had plenty of fuel, Oh, more than enough. Huh, the plane, everything was normal? Everything was totally to that? normal, yep. Hmm. The plane would then head north-northeast toward Vietnam on a flight that again would continue in that general direction over Southeast Asia. Again, over some ocean before they hit the Chinese mainland and then uh, uh, up to Beijing. Weirdly, Zahari again told the tower that they were leveled off and they were cruising at 35,000 feet.
2: Hmm. Hmm.
1: It's only weird and it's only weird in hindsight because it's not something a pilot would normally do. Right. he was a very experienced pilot. So, just a short hop over water, it should be until they hit Vietnamese airspace, is what should have happened. Um, and this is, again, where this handover point is. Here's is where, I mean, wherever air, you have to be in somebody's airspace, I mean, over open ocean. There's actually, like, Australia, United States, and other countries have what's called um, long range. Air traffic no. control with like up to 3,000 kilometers for the Australians, Jesus, things wow. like that, I know. But it's not, but so, but in here it's very strict, right? You leave a Malaysian air force, air, air, air space. space, roughly equidistant between uh, that and the coast of Vietnam, they would enter Vietnamese airspace, there had to be a formal handover, handover. you are now in charge of this plane, you track it, it's yours,
0: uh-huh.
1: okay? It is, it's, it's very routine, and, and everyone speaks English on international flights, I don't know if you know. that or not English yes. is the international language of all airspace. I think you're allowed to speak your native language if it's just within the. No, that's that's a good thing. You have you need. No, one I language. know,
0: but it, why is it English and not?
1: Who knows? Something else. Because English, glad it is. People because We started think we're the boss of the world. No, there's actually a good reason. Because uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, it, because a, a lot of air tra- air air traffic was controlled or by Britain and the United States. Yeah. For, was, we're doing most of the of the there's a logistical commercial. reason for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Carrie. God. Hey. First, I all she it. cares about were America's on the plane, and now she wants, uh, <laughs> apparently, know. air traffic control to speak Chinese. I don't know.
2: You're hot and cold. Yeah. I mean, more yeah. people speak Mandarin than they do English. Anyway. I, I didn't say
0: it was because I only care about American people. You I, sound angry. I wanted a breakdown <laughs> of all the nationalities that were on the plane.
2: And I, you I, only I, chose And I provided American. that. No,
1: so I, I gave you the actual numbers when it I'm not going to. It was my prompt. Okay. It was your what? My prompt. prompt? is How I
0: was prompting you by okay. asking oh. you a question. Oh, thanks.
2: thanks. conversation. Yeah. Got it. Okay.
1: Thank you. I'm a professional. <laughs> yeah, you are. You are doing my job. you are paid a lot of money for this podcast. <laughs> are you really? Because yeah. So there are also some nuances to normal air flight talk, like we just talked about. One of which was that you know you typically said something when you're leaving an altitude, not when you're arriving at your assigned altitude, but also when the Malaysian controller is radioed to flight MH370 that they should now contact Vietnamese controllers at the, at the frequency, quote, 120.9, and then they gave M370's flight number. So they said, you need to contact Vietnamese control, here is a frequency, right? But typically, Zahari, his reply was merely, good night, Malaysian 370, that's it. He was supposed to repeat the frequency of the Ho Chi Minh flight control right. uh, back to the Malaysians. Yeah. It's just a formality, but you're supposed to do it every single time. Hmm. So again, it was something just a little weird, unusual on, on his part. Something he N- wouldn't know to do. Yes. No red flags whatsoever yet.
0: But a little bit different.
1: A little bit different, a yeah. little bit odd. Again, mo- pretty much in hindsight. Yeah. And that was it. That communication, goodnight Malaysian 370 from Zahari, was the last anyone heard from Flight MH370. Ooh. So very soon after that last call, Zahari should have radioed Ho Chi Minh and formalized the handoff into their airspace, and they were now being in control, and they'd be monitoring his plane. He did not. When flight controllers later tried to contact MH370 themselves, no response. Huh. Ooh. Hmm.
2: And so they would be over. They sh- land they, at be this point,
1: in, right? Well, now, uh, sooner after they'd be overland, initially when that oh. handoff should have happened they're still over water they still, oh, but they'd okay. be over land and not that long at all just it's, in it's the not airspace a, a great distance yeah okay. so you know where was flight MH370 yeah. uh, we've already kind of experienced this but a critical aspect of this case is how planes do communicate with themselves and with air, more importantly with air traffic controllers that communication is not old school radar you know like it's sending signals out and getting beeps yeah. that's called primary radar You know, the blips on a screen from radar being sent out, being emitted and tracking you. That's not how they do it. It's actually called secondary radar, and it's the airplane actively sending out information to air traffic control towers through a transponder. That's how. So when they see that thing on the air traffic control, they're seeing that and seeing exactly where it is and what altitude it is only because of that transponder. If you turn that off, you disappear.
2: Uh, So maybe somebody... The, the, Disable well, the transponder.
1: We'll see. That's, we'll see the we'll information. Put a pin in it. So it, it identifies the airplane. Says you know, flight MH370. Its altitude and its distance and its specific location. Without that information coming in constantly through the transponder, mm-hmm. it's a phantom. Yeah. People don't. I, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't know that. I thought I mean, there was an active radar going on, but no. Yeah. Without that, it's there. There. That's that. Huh. There is such a thing, but it's it's. Ah, uh, far is mean, not nearly adequate to get all this information and and do aircraft control. Say. You couldn't do it right. Like it we makes do sense. it without the transponder.
0: Okay, so what do they do if an unidentified aircraft enters Vietnamese airspace and it's not a scheduled flight? They uh, don't know who it is, right? It's not pinging with a transponder. Their radar doesn't pick it up.
1: It's uh, military radar. Would probably would very that's likely true. pick that up, yes.
2: Not like air traffic control, not air traffic radar control stuff. Yeah.
1: Well, if I, they have that.
0: I would want air traffic control radar to pick it up so that they don't run into a flight that's supposed to be there.
1: Uh, you know, I don't know. They might. They might also. But again, yeah, they wouldn't true. have the altitude and location, right. specific location, anything like that. They'd pick it up, but not with nearly enough no information to control that space. Yeah. yeah. Remember the crowds, the clap, the the skies, particularly of course around air. Ports are incredibly busy. Yeah, both in, in three dimensions. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult endeavor, so they need the, all the information from that transponder. Yeah. Mm. So spooky. The, How
0: did they do it before we had that technology? Girl, <laughs> uh,
1: a lot less crowded airspace. Yeah, and they fly given flight plans. And, yeah.
0: And
2: so, oh, you know, and then also Tenerife fucking air yeah. disasters and
1: shit. Yeah. Or they plowed yeah, into the th- side of the Andes, and then they'd have to eat their Okay. okay, Sorry. Sorry. Spoiler alert for that podcast episode. Did
2: we do that one? (laughs) No, we haven't done that. I want
1: to do that one of these days. Maybe I don't know. We should. So flight 370 went into this kind of ghost mode five (laughs) seconds after it entered Vietnamese airspace. So it's still over the South China Sea. Its transponder stops.
2: That's suspicious. Ho
1: Chi Minh Air Traffic Control, formerly Saigon, is now getting no information whatsoever from flight 370. Huh. The signal dropped off the screens also at the same time of the Malaysian controllers, because they're still tracking Uh-oh. it. It's, it's right. just out of the airspace. They're still tracking it. They see it drop off. Vietnam, either they it, it dropped off theirs or, or they never got it. I'm not sure. Effectively, it disappeared. It it disappeared. At that point, it uh, the, the starting point of the disappearance of Flight 370 really dates from, from that minute. Yeah, because they knew where it was yeah. until that and point. And it's gone. So... Kuala Lumpur is a really busy place, just like most air traffic control towers yeah. for major airports. Again, we were just talking about that crowded mm-hmm. skies. So even in the
0: middle of the night,
1: oh, oh yeah, girl, yeah. red eyes. This is never not business people. I mean, you know, and they probably have less staff than they would. So yeah. the per what, what each controller is handling is hmm. is, du- is difficult. So no one noticed.
2: In Malaysia wow. they did
1: not notice it disappear off their radar. They just well, thought, okay, we're not tracking any anymore. That makes longer. sense. That is yeah. a bit more understandable
2: cuz they're like it's in Vietnam's hands yeah. now. They're not really yeah. checking for it as much. But it was just a,
1: it it dropped a little earlier than it should have, but no yeah. one sort of made that connection. Right.
2: Did Vietnam what? No. There's no there's they no They never got it.
0: There's no communication between Vietnam and Malaysia at that point. Not yet. And there wouldn't oh. normally be, right? Well, they, they don't the handoff, have, Yes. They, they Meaning they the confirmed the to each other. Control. You said it was the the pilots. Yes. Oh yeah, you're right. Responsibility you're right. You're right. to contact yeah. Yeah. Vietnam. And he did
1: not. Yes, you're right. You're right. Well, None. yes and no. Um, if we'll see in a second. If they don't, mm. if, if the plane doesn't, right. If the plane that they're supposed to track doesn't show up, then they're supposed to correct. Communicate.
0: Yeah, but n- but not routinely. Not routinely. Okay.
1: No. Na- like naturally, the air traffic control in Malaysia just thought, okay, it it's in Vietnam's airspace now. It's Ho Chi Minh's yeah. problem. Right. Well, so, they
0: probably weren't thinking it's their problem. <laughs>
1: Is there? Yeah, honestly, yeah, they probably, <laughs> probably were. <laughs> were. It's like Phew, one more out of our hair. Yeah. So when Air Ho Chi Minh, Ho Chi Minh controllers saw MH370 drop off their own radar, so they, they were tracking it, and they saw it drop off their ra- radar. It had just crossed into their airspace, and it was again heading northeast off the coast of the Malay Peninsula and heading toward them. Uh, the The Tan Son Nhat Airport, that's in Ho Chi Minh is about 650 miles or 1,046 kilometers from, from Kuala Lumpur. So it should have been into the Vietnamese coast by about l- really less than an hour, an hour from takeoff. So by like 1.40ish in the morning, it should have hit their actual coast. Mm-hmm. It didn't. So, and as you might expect, flight MH370 was supposed to have contacted Vietnamese air traffic controllers right away. As soon as you enter the airspace, you're supposed to do it again. They obviously did not. So, to their credit, the Vietnamese controllers repeatedly attempted to contact MH three seventy by radio. You know, they're calling them. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you at? Are you here? Are you on the way? They got hello. No response. Yeah. No response after no response after no response. Hmm. So there was this agreement in place between the two countries that said that the country one one the country should inform the other. If a plane was more than five minutes late, checking into their airspace. Okay, that makes sense. So that would be pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean, five minutes. Five minutes, actually. Turns <laughs> out, matter of fact. But I mean, that, that was an agreement. It, I don't think it was super old and long term, but uh, it was. It had been an agreement for at least a little while before this this occurred. And this, an pilot again, yeah. such as Zahari, would probably oh, yeah. know about that for but, sure. Well, in this case, actually, now it's the air traffic control in Vietnam that's true that kind of dropped the ball here because the Ho Chi Minh Tower either they forgot either about forgot that. about Never this mind. agreement, or just maybe the days of those you know typical crazy night being an air traffic controller, or maybe they didn't understand when the agreement applied. No one knows, and yeah. we, uh, but they waited eighteen minutes after they sh- should have to contact Kuala Lumpur and tell them, hey, the plane you are handing off to us fell off the radar. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of a snafu there. But then comes almost, I don't know, the, it seems like the inevitable fog of disasters. Yeah. There's yeah. always things that aren't supposed to happen happen. So Malaysia's rescue organizations, the Aeronautical Rescue Coordination Center, ARCC, It should have been notified within an hour of a plane dropping off radar. It seems like a long time. It does. Very long. But it should have been notified within an hour, right? So in truth, though, it was not notified until about 2.30 a.m. That's about an hour and 20 minutes after it dropped off. So, again, a little bit longer than it should have. You know, there was this delay from the Vietnamese side, a delay... From the Kuala Lumpur controllers, there was already starting. You know, things were cascading. So, air traffic control officials from multiple countries then attempted to reach Flight 370. Like Malaysia had another Malaysian plane that should have been flying behind it, tried to reach it later on. They there was a lot of confusion about whether it went over Cambodia. But it wasn't oh. supposed to fly over Cambodia. So they're, they're calling Cambodian officials. Did you see a plane? Maybe it got off track. The Cambodians right. said, we ha- we yeah. don't have any plane like that over us. So they, they were really scrambling to try to find this plane for the next couple of hours, really. But here's the rub of that is that it would be four hours, more hours, before any actual emergency response was initiated, like really? going out and looking for it. Yeah. Four hours
0: and by then it could be uh, anywhere it could yeah. be in a lot in, of any places direction, yeah. and if
1: it if it did go down you've lost a lot of time in right. trying to turn that into a rescue so and that's not okay that's massively too long that yeah. should not have happened a plane dropping off the radar of two countries at the same time and then and then not responding to your calls that can kind of only mean a couple of terrible things right. yeah. so because
0: by that time it's almost landing time right no. The time that it's supposed to have landed
1: no not at all it's like there's still hours away from that uh, oh. a five and a half land? hour flight yeah okay. you said four hours by later. what time oh by time by time the research is yeah oh, i'm yeah. sorry yes the rescue <laughs> s- started more or less when it should have been landing right. invasion okay so i mean more than likely the fact that they're not no one's responding to calls the clear implication is the plane has gone down yeah. yes And but for so for it to take over five hours in total, because remember it's four hours after for any rescue, that's pretty terrible. So at six thirty a.m., when Malaysian search efforts began, again the plane should have been landing at Beijing. Beijing. It didn't land, so they're out there searching frantically. By this point, it was a very thorough search. It involved thirty-four ships and twenty-eight planes from seven different countries. Wow! Basically, every country in the area scrambled.
0: I remember that part.
1: And so naturally, where were they looking? The South China Sea, where yeah. else would you look? That's the last time we, we knew where it was. We civilian air traffic controllers, the last thing we heard of this was being handed over from Malaysian to Vietnamese airspace over oh, the South China Sea heading north toward Vietnam. So they were scouring the ocean, but nothing. No sign of any wreckage, there's no debris, there's no oil slick. So despite days of exhaustive searching from above, and on the surface, too, by the way, these, all those ships, the flight MH-3370 had completely vanished. What? Only it had not. Why? We actually had a lot more information of, where, of what had happened to it than uh, the civilian air, air controls knew at the time. Really? And, the, and, the, and even all the searches knew for days and days and days. It turns out... The Malaysians knew more than they were talking about. Ooh. Oh,
0: really? Yes, they
1: did. So unknown to anyone at the time, in actuality, apparently flight MH370 had made a sudden turn just after that sign-off from Malaysian airspace. The good night. Entering the, Vietnamese, the good night. Just like like seconds after that, the plane had done an abrupt turn basically flipped a plane Yui Whoa. and gone back and started heading southwest it was about 1:25 in the morning that's 43 minutes after it took off so Wait. it was that okay just after it left it you know uh, not long after it uh left uh, flew clear of the Malaysian peninsula
0: and are you saying Malaysia knew that at the time uh,
1: they they would know that yes pretty much yes they they I'll, we'll get to it okay and they didn't tell anybody and they let people search for Several days with that in in a place they knew it could not be. That
0: doesn't make any sense. Mm, We'll get to that.
1: Okay. Uh, Well, that
2: means that's suspicious. It was
1: specific to, well, not specific, but I mean, these kind of civilian and coordinated things that work so well in the United States and Canada and Japan and Europe, they don't work as well in corrupt. you know, dictatorial kinds of countries. They just don't. Yeah. When you when the most important thing is to cover your ass and not get to the truth. That that's true here. You yeah. have people trying to cover yeah. your ass yeah. here, but it's it's a thousand times worse in, in places that are that are you know, more corrupt and don't like have those, yeah. don't have don't have respectful law. Yeah. So the so the Boeing seven 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 had basically done this airborne U turn and it banked sharply southwest and went back over the Malay Peninsula. So it goes out to the South China Sea for long enough for it to get handed over to Vietnamese air traffic control and then big turn, sharp turn, head right back over Malaysia, the going peel southwest. Peeled out. Peeled out. Um. It had made that noise exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so then, when it hit a point just south of Penang Island, which is on the western side, the Kuala Lumpur side, so it went back over the entire peninsula, as it left land again, but now heading southwest near. Penang Island, it again turned. This time it it flipped to the right and went to the northwest. So still west, but now north. So think of going southwest, and it did a turn to go northwest, (laughs) yes.
0: Now, its transponder is turned off. They're not pinging proactively. Correct. So it's, this is just showing up on primary radar? Primary radar, and it this?
1: turns, because there is a Malaysian Air Force base, going oh, with Air okay. Force Base, that's right there on the mainland near Penang Island. So
0: they're... We they're pinging that. later that they were tracking it, yes. So, okay, but they don't know at the time, obviously. They don't know at Civilians the time. Civilians
1: don't know at the time, and all the other countries searching for it do not know this at the time.
0: Does Do we know now? Did the military know there's a missing plane, um, and this must be it, or no? I, I, or were they just
2: incidentally... You know,
1: I don't know if they knew that or not, okay. so it might have been just incidental with it. The was in their airspace. Things, so yeah. they, they knew, you
0: know... <sighs> they might have found out later there's a missing plane. I, I, oh, we I would be
1: surprised if they didn't know that pretty quickly. Yeah. That's true. While Once it. it starts to yeah, veer off course.
0: Would the civilian air traffic control contact
1: military? I would... You know, I don't know, but I would think so, because they have Maybe. resources. Yeah, and yeah they that's have, true. They have, remember, the search... Uh, military planes and ships were involved in the search, so right. I think they would. I yeah. don't know when, but I think they would, yeah, yeah, so uh, the Boeing leaves the the Malay Peninsula again goes over water near Penang Island, and um this is the part part of the Malay Peninsula that sits across a stretch of water from Sumatra Island in Indonesia, right? So it's critical that okay so. I, we'll, we'll show a map, we'll have a map on set, but think of it going over Malaysia in its initial flight, going into the ocean, heading toward Vietnam, getting handed off, erk, going right back over Malaysia, if it, going southwest. If it continues southwest, it's going to go right over Sumatra, and that's Indonesian space, and bad things are going to happen. It Uh-oh. didn't. It turned sharply northwest. What it did, it then skirted right through the, the narrow strait between Indonesia and Malaysia, which is called the Strait of Malacca. At this point,
0: what happens if it goes over it, Sumatra?
1: Is it a diplomatic it gets, issue? It's not just that; it gets tracked by their military oh, radar, okay. and oh, so they might shoot that thing down. In okay. trouble, baby. Yeah, yeah, I see. I see. Well, so, they
0: shoot down a passenger airline. It's happened
1: before. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you know. So, uh, <laughs> Oops. but no, they would certainly send interceptors up because that's true. This is post 9 11 Yeah. So again, it will help with the map, but think of it just—it's it, doing the perfect route to not be to not make trouble right to be as 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 head down as yeah. possible yeah as though they can't land uh, but uh, they want to stay in in the, the air right and, and and but they also don't want people to take note of them people yeah. like the indonesian air force or or i mean they had to go back over the Malay peninsula that was that was risky but it was successful uh, because the Malaysian Air Force didn't do anything about it, right. which we'll yeah. talk about that in, in part two a little bit. They should have. So this would go into what's called the Andaman Sea, uh-huh. which is uh, like on the way toward India, kind of. So it's northwest, it's now heading, it's now in the Indian Ocean, effectively, and is heading, it goes through the state of Malacca and into this arm of the Indian Ocean, of the kind of the northeastern Indian Ocean called the Andaman Sea, southeast of India, they got where the Andaman Islands, islands are. Right. Mm-hmm. Didn't we do a weird bit?
2: We on, did a weird bit yeah, on we North yes, Sentinel the, the, Island. Uh,
1: yes, exactly. Yeah. Look it's, it up. it's that area. Oh, maybe they're going... No, they're <gasps> not going to <into> North Sentinel, <gasps> I'm pretty sure. They got shot down by the, the Sentinel <laughs> <laughs> With blow darts. <laughs> yeah. This would uh, eventually set them on a course into India and, and eventually into Central Asia if they just kept going in that direction. To the south, though, would be the wide open Indian Ocean, this vast yeah. stretch of open sea dotted with occasional islands, but pretty much... Endless ocean. I'm scared. Yeah, oh, that's a video game. Plug it. <laughs> this information, by the way, was cold from secondary examinations of Malaysian radar Ooh. after the fact and oh. Air Force data that had been kept secret yeah. at the time by the Malaysian Air Force and the Malaysian authorities. Yeah, why? Uh, we'll talk about that's that a little bit later. But it, was, me, it was, but it was it was it, it was covering their ass. Yeah, basically. yeah. But even these sources, though, lost the MH370. After it turned northwest from Penang and headed, toward, and headed through the straight of Malacca to the Anaman, they mm-hmm. lost it as well. So at that point, it was gone completely from anybody's radar, even the Malaysian Air Force.
2: Oh, okay. so truly gone.
1: Yeah. But but the key point is that they knew full well it was not in the South China Sea, and they didn't tell anyone else. Right. So. And they let all those bitches yeah, they did. wild goose chase. Yes, Definition it was. of a wild goose chase. It was. Chase. I mean, what if, what if it had gone down... They were looking in right. completely the wrong place and would never find anything.
0: Not to mention probably millions of dollars. Yes, oh yeah. oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, they,
1: they don't look good in this. No. If the plane was under the control of terrorists, this whole process, though, was really weird, wasn't it? Because yeah. you know hijacking's yeah. an idea. Because it was as if the plane was trying to evade eyes in the sky and on the ground and any kind of response. Another initial thought at the time was some kind of a pilot suicide event which, though they're rare, they, they do happen. They have happened. If that was so, though, it seemed really weird to people, and, and it was quickly discarded because why are you doing all this nonsense? Just go down to the South China Sea? Yeah. Right, yeah. I mean, if you, you, if you wanted have, to, to yeah. crash the plane, just go down anywhere. You don't have to do all this, this weird piloting and this, these strange maneuvers. So yeah. that was not given a lot of thought.
0: Unless Indic- it was thinking about it.
1: Yeah. Thinking about it.
0: Mulling it over,
1: maybe. Well, but, yeah. I mean, I suppose the intricate maybe. maneuvering. It had taken an hour to backtrack and then sort of, sort of remember, sort of sneak up on the strait, which is between two countries, mm-hmm. to be off anyone's radar, literally and figuratively. But then the lack of any word from potential hijackers after hours yeah. went yeah. on that seemed odd as well. Yeah. What's the point of had? Hij- hi- yeah. Hijacking it. Yeah. So <laughs> this is ransom? really weird. It, it didn't seem like it could be private suicide. It didn't seem like it was hijacking. It still could be. That. Now they they would know fairly quickly that the Malays knew it was flying, so it didn't go down of the South China Sea really quickly. Like you, like, so it disappeared from radar, and disappeared from from as transponder was turned off. Yeah. And then they did all this this maneuvering. So it was really weird. It was a, very strange to everyone. Huh. And most critically. Though the question was, where was the plane now? Yeah, yeah, it's crew. The 227 passengers were all had all just disappeared off the face of the earth. Had it again had it crashed into the South China Sea at first, they thought, but remained undiscovered, or even later had it crashed there in the end, the Sea and also remained undiscovered. No one knew. Had it continued, so a lot of people remember this. A lot of people thought, okay, where could it fly to? Yeah. Uh, it could, if it continued north or northwest into India, it could have, somewhere in India and then into Central Asia, like Kazakhstan, even yeah. possibly as far as Siberia. It, they did it turn again and backtrack again. Right. I was Who gonna knew? Say, yeah. It could
2: be anywhere. Yeah. It could. yeah.
1: If it veered west and kept going, eventually it would have reached the Arabian Peninsula or even the Horn of Africa. And of course, uh, there was this kind of radius of where the plane could be, and it was absolutely huge. Yeah. 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 It was. It was not helpful. <laughs> the most likely route, though, fairly quickly was determined to be somewhere into the Indian Ocean. Yeah. We know this because it turned out that Flight 370 had signals still working that someone had not turned off when they turned off the trans- transponder and other Ooh. communications. Oh. Basically, it's this, I think it's like every hour or so, it sends this blip. The planes send this blip, blip to satellites. The, the Boeing was equipped with this, trans, this other little transponder, so it actually sends a blip to satellites, and there are satellites going over the Indian Ocean.
0: Yeah, oh. wait. Here's yes. the thing. Why is transponder technology even able to be turned off?
1: That's a great question. They
0: really... It really should not be. You would think airplanes would have something that is cannot be disabled by anybody. Yeah. yeah.
1: Maybe. Yeah, to maybe, to maybe that's it. how it yeah. is now because of this. I don't know, yeah. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, that that is weird that the someone was able to turn off this communication from this plane. Maybe it's not. Remember everything was was turned off. Transponder, yeah. Wi-Fi, any, everything was yeah. turned off. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Or, or the plane had gone down. Or, right, or, or, right. Or, if, But if the communications malfunctioned, they malfunctioned. Everything malfunctioned at the at same, the same time. time. So it could have been like a complete electrical failure. Yeah, or that's like what that. it would have to be. Yeah, it well, seems if there's like a
0: complete electrical failure. The plane's
1: going down. Exactly. Pretty, yeah, so, but that could have been what happened. Yeah. But the, but we know that's not what happened because it kept flying. This other because thing. the satellite was getting pinged every hour for six more. Hours. Ooh, oh, wait. So did six, it was a total of seven pings hit this, um this is called the, um it was a, a satellite called an, from a London based company called ImmerSat had this satellite that was going over the Indian ocean at the time and got pinged every hour for six more hours.
0: Can it figure out the location? I was just about to as ask a that. Pinger?
1: We will indeed get to that. Oop, it's, okay, it's, oop, some, oop. it's some pretty brilliant science. Is that okay. a part two? uh I think it's this one. Oh, so this solved one key riddle immediately, yeah. which is the plane had remained aloft long after so contact long was lost. Time. It hadn't gone up down in the South China Sea. It hadn't yeah. gone down to Anima Sea. It hadn't, hadn't gone anywhere. At least we knew it remained aloft. So it wasn't this bomb or terrorist fireball going down it and, and losing all hands. Something, wow. the, this plane yeah. was still flying for hours and hours and hours. Oh, you said it being seven times. Seven times, yeah. For, so six How more much hours. fuel uh, did it have? Uh, enough to do, to stay in the air that long apparently at <laughs> least well i know but like <laughs> yeah, at that at point least. at that last Well plane, that last wondering how much that fuel last it, ping, had it left. would have it would have had almost no fuel left ooh oh. scary there so what's more the plane had remained at a very high altitude and in kind of a normal flight position the entire time it was trackable so it wasn't doing anything huh. weird in yeah. that regard it didn't seem like anybody was trying to fly it you know somewhere strange mm-hmm. so this communication is telling but it's kind of the lowest level of communication conceivable. It's like a little yeah. handshake between the plane and the satellite, and that's it. Yeah. It's intermittent blips. There's no real useful information other than that, I'm here, I'm at this altitude, that's it. So it still didn't give us any idea, a really good idea of where it was, just that it had stayed in the air at, at a given altitude for a very long time.
0: Okay.
1: Other more sophisticated I don't know, contact points like Wi-Fi and passenger entertainment signals and cockpit communications, automated maintenance reports. There's a lot of things going on. Again, those had not been received anywhere. Those had to have been consciously turned off. If the plane's still going and that blip is still happening, it wasn't an electrical failure or something like that. It yep. was those things were intentionally disabled. Right. All those other modes of communication, it seems like whoever did that didn't know about this yeah. satellite blip. Every or didn't hour. know how to disable it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Do your research next time, hijacker or whoever.
1: <laughs> so, in all, as I mentioned, there were seven communications between the plane and the satellite. And these blips tell a little bit of, of a story. For one, again, they indicated distance. Oh, okay. The timing of the communications could be used to figure the distance between the plane and the satellite. And since the oh, satellite's location was known, what it did is it, it gave them a kind of radius or, or even an arc of where the plane could be, and that was calculable. That makes sense. Hmm. Like in the
2: satellite line of sight, basically? Yes, basically, yeah.
0: Everybody who, who thinks they'll never use... They're math, algebra, geometry, <laughs> trigonometry. Yeah. This is
1: probably some serious trig. Yeah. And, oh, and, and <laughs> some bitch. Sin, big time math. This is big math.
2: Sine, arctangent.
0: There you go. Good well, thing nobody called me and asked me to figure out where the plane was. Because <laughs> I
2: don't know. I didn't do so well. And that's called Gary in Elk math. Grove, California. Do, <laughs> do I, do I you use know how the I do FOIL <laughs> method for <laughs> that? <laughs> I'm not <Fuck>. sure. <laughs> I,
1: I didn't go hey. much beyond that. What?
0: No, I take trigonometry and yeah. calculus. I didn't what do was s- your grade in uh, calculus? calculus. <gasps> it was your- C, like C plus. Ooh, he got thank you there. very much.
1: And did everyone in the class get a C plus? Pretty Because you might get fired. <laughs> okay. Um, probably there we should. go. There we go. Okay. There we go. So I should—I misspoke a little bit. So this first level kind of gave them this radius of of where they could be that was calculable from the from the distance of the plane and the, and the satellite, but the range limits of the plane's communications allowed investigators oh. to limit these circles to arcs. To arc distances away. Mm-hmm. So that limited it even more. The last communication that they got could kind of define an arc where the plane most likely was right before it stopped sending signals. That is, in all likelihood, before it did, it did go down. Yeah. You know? So they had this. Arc of where it probably was, but the problem—it was a hell of an arc. Yeah. Oh, still. Yeah, and yeah. that was the narrowed down version. Yeah, I've seen you, and we'll, we'll show a picture of it. It's just a—it really is an arc, oh. and it has sort of, kind of almost like error rate distance of how thick it can be, and it goes in this arc along the Indian Ocean west of Australia. It's a big, big chunk of ocean. Yeah. So, it, it was um well the, well before they got to that though the last signal indicated an arc that traveled from as far north as. Honestly, the heart of Central Asia and as far south as almost to Antarctica and what across the? all the Indian Ocean in between. So they didn't they hadn't narrowed it down to what I just referred to quite yet. So they went to okay, listen, given its most likely flight path, defined by its speed, its altitude, et cetera, they could say that three seventy was anywhere from Kazakhstan in the north to somewhere in the Indian Ocean and almost anywhere in between. But Luckily, there was a second piece of information from the ImmerSat satellite, and that could hold a clue to narrowing down which arc Ooh. and what part of the arc it was. This one's complicated, even Ooh. more so, because this has to do with the Doppler effect, which <gasps> is That's um, fun. very confusing. That The Doppler effect is changes in the waves of things like sound waves or electromagnetic waves or that light. they change depending on the distance and the speed of an object, right, from how whether it's going, coming towards you, going away from you, and, and how fast it's going, I think that's the the Doppler effect. That's U, about as much as I understand the Doppler effect. I just you said get
2: that. it. Wow, well, how you know how it's ambulances. like a train
1: whistle um, going away from you sounds uh, higher or lower? I can't remember, but well, the pitch changes as it correct. The
2: like that. classic example is an ambulance siren oh. as it's approaching you. It'll sound higher pitched yes. because the waves oh, okay. are being compressed. Okay, because as they're coming. Towards toward you, you, they're traveling faster, so they're uh, kind of getting closer and closer oh, together. I see, I see. As it's coming towards you, but right. then once it's going away from you, they're getting further and further apart. Right. Each wavelength, okay. each wave, oh. and so it's the and pitch tip.
1: becomes lower. Correct. Okay.
0: That's a good explanation. Thank it you. Also works with sense.
1: light. Yeah, Red Red shift, electro, and electromagnetic waves is which is, is, that is light. light. Okay, yep. light is a, part, a portion of it. So,
0: is this what Doppler radar?
1: All you know relies relies is about upon. the weather report. Yeah. Is that, okay, I mean, is that what? Huh. Something to do with that. I'm sure they just use it because it sounds science and they want to yeah. m- sound like, well, we've <laughs> got to hear that Doppler radar weather report. So communication satellites like the Emmerstat have to account for the Doppler effect to operate accurately. Right. So, I mean, otherwise they, they won't be with, you know, certain how far things are because the Doppler effect kind of messes that up. Right. So oh, I see and but problem is that age and changing levels of technology have a mismeasurement and those can impact those measurements and these are, this is they they correct for that in something called the doppler shift logs so they they sort of correcting for the doppler effect and correcting for you know problems with the, the level of the technology at the same time. And mm-hmm. this, these predictions based on alterations made by the satellite due to the Doppler effect could theoretically be used to further fine-tune the location of an object. This was some, some person studying this said, hey, it, uh, you know, we could do this. So the object in this case is, flight, is the plane, is the Boeing Flight 370. And I say theoretically be used to that because yeah. this was the first time that it had ever been done. Damn! No one had thought of, you know what, we can use those Doppler shift logs to figure out where it is beyond that gigantic arc, that initial huge arc. So they did this. People with with math skills, (laughs) physics, did this. Nerds. For Flight 370 for the first time. So basically, once they sifted through this evidence it strongly suggested that Flight 370 had turned to the south. So it's going northwest toward the Andaman Sea at about 2.40 in the morning. It had made a sudden turn more or less due south when it was just kind of northwest of the island of Sumatra in Indonesia. Do you notice that? So it cleared Sumatra Mm -hmm. and then, boop, headed down south into the Indian Ocean, now clear of Indonesian airspace and in, huh. in response. So somebody, yeah. whoever is controlling the plane, knows. They know exactly what they're doing yeah. and, and where what they're What airspace to avoid. Yeah. Hmm. So essentially, that is the far northeast of the Indian Ocean. It's now heading into that. It's west of Indonesia, and it's south of Myanmar, kind of south of India. Another little geography. Mm-hmm. So it's less discernible by this Doppler evidence, but these analysts further surmise that the plane then stayed on a level setting heading into the heart of the Indian ocean. So that, they're not as certain about that, but I've, I don't know the, all the, the reasons, but they, their, their best guess was that it just stayed going straight down south into the Indian ocean.
2: Yeah. I mean, it could have
1: turned again, theoretically. Yes. But after about six hours, remember the last that's true. ping was yeah. about six hours, about six hours of the steady push into the Indian ocean. like going toward Antarctica, essentially, and kind of west of Australia. It would have been low on fuel at that point. Yeah, it it then ran out of fuel. And they they can also tell from the Doppler stuff, by the way, that the plane, when the plane, about when the plane descended, and that it was going really fast and really steep. Oh. Its decline was... Breakneck speed, uncontrolled, or, or maybe even controlled. We, oh. We're not even sure oh, about I that. See. But
0: there's no way to tell.
1: It's, you can't be sure. Yeah. yeah. Some people think there's suggestive that it, it may have been controlled, but there's no way to be sure. It, it could have just ran out of gas finally and boop, dropped yeah. into the ocean. Oh, at that's at, at you know, tremendous speed. I mean, just really a minute or two, the plane crashed into the ocean at five times the rate of a normal descent for a plane. No. So again, that, that that's suggestive that someone wasn't trying to sort of have an emergency water landing. Right. It would have absolutely shattered on impact. It may even have been going so fast and rattling so much it could have lost pieces on the yeah. way down. We don't know, but for sure, when it hit that water, it would have just—I mean—barreled into the sea and and just smashed to bits. Mm. At least this is what the satellite evidence seemed to say, and even those analysts could not say exactly where the plane had gone into the water again. It was a a pretty big portion of an arc. Their best guess was the Indian Ocean, about 1,200 miles southwest of Perth, which is a city in Western Australia. But this part of the world, part of the ocean, it's, oh my God, it's rough, it's deep, it's mostly unexplored. The seafloor at that time had not even been mapped yet. Whoa. Um, So at least initially, the searchers found nothing. So the same has happened in the South China Sea. A big search was instituted, mostly led by Australia, and it just it seemed hopeless that the, the, the flight 370 would ever be found, and that was basically what the Malaysian government concluded on March 24th. So only s- wait, 16 days? Wait, March 8th is when it 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 took off, right? You said March 24th. I, did I say March? Yeah. So March 24th. Malaysian investigators agreed, essentially agreed with the satellite evidence and said, yep, that's where it went. And and the other evidence, they said, okay, this takes it on a southward path into the Indian Ocean. There's no possible landing place for it there. Yeah, The implication was obvious when their searches, their actual report concluded, quote, flight MH370 ended in the southern Indian Ocean.
2: Th- that was the end of their investigation as well.
1: Mm, Probably not. More or less. Oh. Yes. So they Australia were- took over. Oh, Australia mm. took over. Yeah, Australia. Oh, Australia. It's closer, all the heavy lifting was done by Australia. Right. Makes
0: does. sense. But I
1: mean, well, they didn't have to. They were just being international good neighbors. They had no. They had like two Australians on there. They well, had, it was it was way out of their airspace oh, or water space. 1,200 miles away at least. And it's yeah. oh, not Australia. even sure that's where it was. Now they did it solely out of someone's got to do this, and clearly Malaysia doesn't have the capability yeah. to do it. That. That's true. And and Malaysia didn't have, you know, the, the, the Malaysia was very little involved in the searching in the Indian Ocean.
2: It seems like right. they maybe don't want the answer mm. to be found. Ding dong, put a pin in that.
1: Put a pin in that for sure, because uh, so the search was continued, it was spearheaded by Australia, but the Malaysians, honestly, very, it was very clear to all of the international people who were trying to coordinate with him that they wanted right. it to go away. Huh. They wanted nothing to hmm. do with it. Get the bad publicity out of here. Yeah. But the world did not want to let it go away. No. Nope. Oh, God, no. Even though it seemed pretty helpless, they'd fi- find still anything. Talking about it. So not long after this, some clues would be washing ashore that would tremendously heighten the mystery and give us a little more idea of what happened to it and where it ended up. That... We will talk about next time in part two. Boom.
2: Can
0: I ask you a question? Yes. No. Do the Malaysian authorities, are they like investigating, looking into the pilot and all that kind of stuff? Oh, we we'll talk definitely about that cover that. Next time. Oh, that's we okay. will
1: cover all that. Okay. I enjoyed
2: part one. <laughs> well, part
1: one of the disappearance of Flight 370. Please join us next time for part two, in which we will talk about what happened.
0: But don't Google it and read up on it. Do not don't. do that. Don't spoil don't,
1: it for don't yourself. Don't spoil it. All right. Thanks for listening. Carrie, these things. Oh, you're not going to tell them? This nah. Time? Okay. They All know right. where they to know. find cool. us. They can Google. All right, see ya. Hello.
0: Bye.